Nice choice in music, Wooly. Thank you. And people are into the uh, smells on the text line. We'll have to circle back to that coming up in a little bit. ESPN college football reporter Adam Rittenberg scheduled to appear about 10 minutes from right now on Wildey and Tausch. Jesse and Tausch today. Jason off for the remainder of the week. He'll be back next week. Uh, Tausch, you appeared this morning, as you usually do, on Wisconsin's Morning News on 620 WTMJ. And prior to your appearance... Milwaukee Brewers general manager Matt Arnold was on with the fellas, Vinny and the boys, as you like to say. I have not heard this yet, but you said that you heard something particularly compelling from the Brewers GM when he appeared this morning on Wisconsin's Morning News. So Wooly has it. Let's hear it. And let's get Tausch's reaction to it on the upcoming trade deadline. Brewers GM Matt Arnold. Seriously, though, Matt, Brewers have to be buyers right now, right? You're out there looking to make this team better. We're right there where you want to be here at the point, and actually just beyond the midpoint here this season. Uh, yeah, look, we're, we're, in a, we're in a good spot here. We had a heck of a series there with the Reds, and, and everyone was pumped uh, going into the break and, and feeling really good. You know, that, that's, a, that's a tough team. They've played really, really well lately, and to take two out of three from those guys, we're, we're really excited. And so, you know, having a couple guys in the All-Star game gives us another boost. So we're feeling good heading into the second half right now. Brewers GM Matt Arnold this morning on 620 WTMJ. They play the Reds in Cincinnati to start the second half of the season starting tomorrow. Tausch, what stood out to you from that? Well, and there was another follow-up. that I, I was a really interesting question because we all remember last season, Milwaukee Brewers kind of in a similar place, even actually in a better spot. I think they were a game or two up. Yeah, they were in first around place. This, yeah, I, I know they were in first. I think it was by a game or two. And when you kind of look back at it, it was a disastrous trade to trade your closer, set the clubhouse, set the fan base, and it was a it was a move that I, I hope that front office recognizes was a disaster. So now you're in a position where you're close to the Cincinnati Reds, and the other part that I found really interesting that what Matt said with Vinny and Eric and the WTMJ morning crew was these next two weeks – you got Cincinnati for, I think, six games, two series. You got Philadelphia. You're playing against some really good teams that you're going to get a better inkling as far as where you're at. But the thought, I believe, this coming into this season was going to be you have two really good pitchers, probably going to have a really hard time keeping them, and that this would be the time to make a move because you give a team a chance for a pennant push and another season. And I'm fascinated. I do not think the Milwaukee Brewers can make a big move in the selling category. For as much as you know, we dunzoed them and everything else, if you're going to continue to say that you're chasing playoff appearances and everything else, I think the idea of you need to buy, I think you can buy, but it's going to have to be at your price. I think any selling here would be brutal for the Milwaukee Brewers. And that was the point. I was I was intrigued by his answer, but I didn't really get the sense that anything is locked in stone. It is more of we have a two-week stretch here before the trade deadline, and how these two weeks go, especially with 
six six or seven games left against Cincinnati in this stretch, how those play out, if you lose five out of six, all of a sudden you're five, six games back, does that change your mentality? I just think anything outside of pushing to make a playoff spot this season would be would be really, really difficult for the Milwaukee Brewers fans and for those guys in the clubhouse to get their head wrapped around. Uh, they can't possibly make the same mistake they made last year. Like After how much of a debacle last year was and the dark cloud that it put around the franchise, and not just for the current players, but when Hayter gets traded to San Diego, he's talking about, oh, it's great to be on a team that actually is trying to win a pennant and not just trying to maybe sneak into the playoffs every year. Like The, the Brewers had this stigma over the last year since that trade, especially of being the cheap team. They're like the new Tampa Bay Rays from a decade ago. Like they don't want to spend any money. They go to arbitration over seven hundred fifty thousand dollars with Corbin Burns, who's been in the Cy Young race and won one the last five years. You can't possibly make the same mistake again after what last year led to. So if they want to stay in the hunt, if they want to keep a certain, I'd say, level of respect among the national narrative for what this team is. They can't possibly sell, even if it is the smart thing long-term. They have to go for so, it. So, Jesse, I always confuse these two. Which is the one that's represented by Scotty Boris? Which pitcher? Is it Woody or is it uh, Burns? I believe that's Burns. Yeah, Ryan's confirmed that's Burns, yeah. Okay, so if it's Burns and you you know he's not going to – you know next year's going to be it. Mm-hmm. And you get a haul opportunity from – Let's say the Braves, or let's say somebody that's a, you know also in the mix. You get a haul where you can restock. You're going to say no because you have to make this push because you're going to get more value for him right now. Both pitchers are valued, and even with Woody being down for as, for as long as he's been, you still get that value now when you can get a year and a half compared to trading him this off season. As a Brewers fan, I think this would be an interesting poll. As a Brewers fan, would you want them to make the move? Because I'm with you. I think we saw it. You only get so many bites at this apple with these guys, and you also need to constantly understand who you are. And if you can get that young haul of really good talent now, do you do it, or do you say, nope, we're making the push? I'd be fascinated what people think. We'll circle back to that, including tomorrow with Sophia Minard of Bally Sports Wisconsin, who's scheduled to appear with us tomorrow, coming out of the All-Star break. Brewers and Reds start a three-game series tomorrow in Cincinnati. One game separating the two teams for first place in the NL Central. The only two teams above 500 in the NL Central. Coming up next, we're going to switch gears, talk a little college football. Badgers, the Northwestern situation, and a whole lot more. ESPN college football writer Adam Rittenberg covers the Big Ten. He's been on with us before. Happy to speak with him again. Coming up next on Wilde and Tausch. This is Wilde and Tausch on 94.5 ESPN. Sponsored by American Family Insurance. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at amfam.com. One of the most interesting off-seasons for Wisconsin Badgers football fans of recent memory. Still ongoing and got even more interesting with some... You know, 
developments this week at Northwestern. In the landscape of the Big Ten, where do Luke Fickle's Wisconsin Badgers rank? And a whole lot more. We are pleased to be joined now by our friend Adam Rittenberg, senior college football writer for ESPN, returns to Wilde and Tausch. Adam, thanks for making time for us this morning. Jesse and Tausch, no Jason today, but we appreciate you making the time nonetheless. How you doing? I'm good, uh, Jesse and Tosh. Uh, good morning, guys. And, yeah, it's another day here uh, waiting for some answers from Northwestern. Yeah, so you've been on that as as best as anybody has nationally. Uh, we have yet to talk about it because it's been such a, a dicey situation as it's unfolded. As you've been talking with all the people that you've caught up with over the last week as this whole thing has developed, what has stood out most to you from this entire story? Well, you know, certainly there's a, a lot of things. You know, normally an investigation like the one Northwestern conducted would lead to a definitive result right away, and that certainly didn't happen in this case. There was obviously a two-week suspension for Pat Fitzgerald. There were some other measures put in place, but that was not the end of it. It, it obviously evolved dramatically over the next three days, leading to the school's um, firing uh, of Coach Fitzgerald for cause on on Monday, and uh, you know, there's still a lot of anger from the the players and others around the program. Uh, we have not not yet heard from the university president, at least in a press conference setting. Nor have we heard from the athletic director. They don't have an interim coach, and so there's a lot of questions that are still out there. Um, you know, including honestly, why uh, all the assistant coaches are returning and why there haven't been any. Uh, uh, discipline towards uh, you know, players who, who may have been involved in these hazing activities because those were confirmed by the investigator, yet we haven't seen any fallout is, other, than the, other than Pat Fitzgerald. No individual has been impacted. Yeah, Adam, I, I guess my question is you, you go through this, and obviously the Northwestern student newspaper deserves a lot of credit for you know, breaking the story and following up and getting this all out there. But then the investigation comes, they suspend the coach for two weeks and then all of a sudden there's more outrage and he gets fired and now he's suing the university i guess the question is what changed what was it just the outrage that forced the athletic director and the university president to get rid of pat or what in your reporting what changed that forced northwestern to go and do it this way well yeah i think it was the details that first came out in the daily northwestern and some of the corroboration um, that was uh, that happened there, you know, we, I, I corroborated some of it. Other outlets did that, and so um, you know, I think it was just a massive misread by Northwestern on the front end. And you know, the question that I don't know is how much University President Michael Schill truly read everything in the investigative report before uh, you know deciding that it was only a two-week suspension for Pat Fitzgerald. What I can tell you in talking to the former player who brought all of this forward, is that all the details were shared in the investigation, at least from his standpoint. And now we know that, uh, I guess, 10 other former current players corroborated um, you know, that hazing activities were taking place in the program. So you had that information, and that, you, know, you made that decision. So, so, yeah, right, what changed? Details, personal interaction between the university president and the whistleblower – and his family, he spoke to the whistleblower on, on Sunday morning, so the, the, the night after he put out the statement saying he was going to reconsider the, the penalties for Fitzgerald. Um, obviously, conversations with trustees and high-level 
uh, folks around the university, a lot of feedback, positive and negative around the, surrounding uh, uh, Fitzgerald. And, and then you obviously reached the decision to fire him. But, you know, I think to sit there and say there was, a, you know, a, a bombshell, massive new information that came out after the report came out is, is inaccurate. I, I, I have not heard that, nor has Northwestern said that. Yeah, it sounds like incompetence by the administration is what it sounds like. There's certainly, uh, certainly a, 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 I think, fair critique um, and certainly one that a lot of people believe is, is true. Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, my, my, my feeling on it is that, you know, if you know that um, some or most of what the whistleblower said in the original complaint, which, by the way, I received, I, I, it was on November 30th, it was an email to Northwestern's compliance director, if you're able to corroborate much of that over the course of a six-month investigation that you commissioned with, with you know, your hand-picked firm and your hand-picked lead investigator, you have to game it out a little bit and say, well, what if this comes out? How, how is that going to make us look if we only suspended the coach two weeks? And it may, it may be, have been going to Pat Fitzgerald and saying, listen, Fitz, w- you know, we realize there was not enough evidence to show that you knew about this, but you're in charge of the program. This clearly happened. You need to be remorseful, and we are going to hit you with a six-game suspension. I think that changes a lot of things if that's the case on Friday. Now, I can tell you this. The, the whistleblower he was absolutely intent on getting Fitz fired. Um, he told me that. A current teammate of his told me that this is all part of his plan, that he was going to exaggerate things and do whatever he took to get him fired. But, it did, you know, again, it didn't matter uh, as much because of what was corroborated. So if you, look at what, if you look at the situation and you think if you're Northwestern, okay, this could get a lot worse if we're not very serious about this on the front end, I think if Fitz is suspended – four games, six games, and issues a very apologetic statement. You know, I didn't know about this, but I should have. This is very uh, uh, embarrassing for me. I'm, 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 I, you know, I, I will do everything in my power to ensure this doesn't happen again. Something to that effect. I don't know if, if, he's, if he's fired on Monday. I think it might be a different situation. Yeah, so, so I guess now the players all with the coaching change – it is a hot mess down there. You don't know, as you mentioned, there's not even an interim coach in place. The season is start, going to be starting here in, what, two or three weeks. Uh, what do you think that fallout's going to be? How many of these players, if I'm a really good player at Northwestern, why would I stay at Northwestern right now? Why would I come up here to Wisconsin or go somewhere else in the Big Ten or somewhere else because you get that, how much fallout do you think there's going to be? Well, I'm sure there'll be some. There obviously has been some on the recruiting front where, you know, a number of recruits have decommitted for the 2024 uh, class. Um, I, I've yet to see any players go into the transfer portal, but they obviously have that ability uh, here over the next, I guess it would be the 26, 27 days. They have, they have the uh, freedom to go into the transfer portal. I also do think that uh, a number of these Northwestern players want to, uh, you know, kind of prove everybody wrong and stick together a lot of these rosters are set elsewhere, so it's not necessarily even like the post-spring period where if you're a really good player, you definitely have a spot somewhere else. Maybe you do in the FCS or at a level down, and we could certainly see that happening. But for a lot of these more prominent players, especially coming off of a bad team last year, their best chance to get playing time is probably here in Evanston. Um, so I, I think we'll see some defections. I don't know if we'll see a massive exodus, but – uh, the, the longer that this goes without real direction, 
from an interim coach standpoint, from a, a plan. And then the other thing too, guys, is that you know, will there be any fallout if you know, individuals were named in that report as, as kind of leading yeah. the hazing? You know, we, we don't know. I mean, the, in, the, in the executive summary that came out Friday and even in the subsequent uh, uh, releases that Northwestern's put out, they've yet to held a press conference. The only individual whose name has been mentioned was Pat Fitzgerald. There was no player mentioned. There was no assistant coach mentioned. But people are fairly asking, why are all these players who supposedly were involved in this hazing activity um, not, not receiving any discipline uh, from the school if they were able to prove some of this? Yeah, Adam, it's so it's a hot mess. There's a lot of things that have to get moving. Uh, I am of the belief that there's two power conferences, and because a lot of people are looking at this, well, Pat Fitzgerald, was that was his destination job, Northwestern. There's going to it might be a little bit difficult to bring somebody in, and I look at it the complete opposite. I think with the Big Ten and the SEC and the amount of money and stability that they have, this is going to be a really highly sought-after job. Uh, any idea on names? We obviously up here are wondering, does Paul Chris throw his hat back in the ring and try to go down a coach? There's Jimmy Leonard who's out there as a free agent. Does he pique that interest? And what are you hearing name-wise as far as people that might be interested in this job? Right, yeah, I still think it will be a, a coveted job for a lot of people, um, but they will have questions. Who's going to be the athletic director? Is Derek Gregg going to keep his job? What's the climate going to be around that program? Are they still on track to, to, to redo Ryan Field? So there are some questions up front, but the fact that it's in the Big Ten and, and the overall resources there, the facility, uh, you do make it attractive. And, and let's also say this, Northwestern's 4-20 and 20 the last two years. If, if, if they'd had another poor season this year, maybe they would have made a change anyway. People, people have this feeling that Pat Fitzgerald was never getting fired. I disagree with that feeling, uh, especially because the people who hired him are no longer there. So anyway, it could, my point is there could have been a change anyway. Um, I, I, I do think that the job will draw uh, you know, some significant interest, um, you know, especially from some sitting head coaches who look at it and say, I can rebuild this thing at a place that won't need me to win 10 or 11 games every year. It's a great place to live. Uh, the athletes, I, I know, obviously are under fire in a sense right now, but you talk to a lot of uh, coaches who have worked at Northwestern and they say it's the, it's the best group of athletes that, they, that they've ever worked with. Honestly, I hear a lot of the same thing about Wisconsin athletes, talking to a guy like Justin Wilcox, who's worked all over the country. He, he loved the athletes at Wisconsin. So did Dave Aranda. I hear a lot of the same things about, from coaches who, who work at Northwestern. So there's still a lot of attractive things about the job, but it's obviously in a very delicate spot right now. ESPN college football reporter Adam Rittenberg joining us on Wildey and Tausch, Jesse and Tausch today with Jason Off for the week. So, Adam, I think what all of us Badgers fans up here in Wisconsin are thinking is what does this mean for Wisconsin football? Because Luke Fickle looks like he's been tearing it up on the recruiting trail. Vibe is hot right now for Badgers fans heading into this season. High expectations. Feels like the program is is getting ready to soar to places it hasn't been before. What do you think the outlook looks like for the Badgers in 2023 and beyond? I think they're one of the most interesting teams in, in college football, you know, be, you know, not so much that Luke Fickle is the coach, although that's a big part of it, but the offense that they've brought in and how different it is from what we're used to with Wisconsin. And I, I don't know if there's a more interesting, you know, scheme change program combination than the air raid coming to Wisconsin with, with Phil Longo under Luke Fickle. And so that, that makes it interesting. You know, could they be a lot better offensively? Yes. Could they be 
messy and sloppy and cost themselves games on offense? Absolutely. But it's going to be interesting either way. And I think, you know, this is the last year of divisions in the Big Ten. Wisconsin is, is currently in its longest drought, as you guys know, without making a Big Ten championship game. So, you know, that's certainly a goal. And I think a realistic one, given the, the state of the division, now you have new coaches at uh, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Purdue, and, and now Northwestern. Um, Iowa is going through its own stuff with Brian Ferentz, and can they find an offense there? So it, it's a very interesting um, collection uh, of teams, and Wisconsin certainly has an opportunity to win the division, but also has to uh, adjust to a new coach and a dramatically different offense in short order. So it, it's going to be fun to watch, at least from the outside. That sounds super exciting, Adam. The last time that we talked about Wisconsin going through a big scheme overhaul was Gary Anderson in the mid-stage of the 2010s. We don't like bringing up that name around here. So what makes it different this time around, in your opinion, that it's going to work with Luke Fickle and the system he's bringing in? Yeah, I mean, I, I know that Gary did some different things, but to me, in watching that team, I, you know, and Andy Ludwig was the coordinator there. You know, Andy runs more of a pro-style offense if you watch Utah. Uh, Melvin Gordon obviously was was amazing during that period as a as a as a running back and sort of the primary focus uh, of the offense. And so, to me, you know, I think Gary maybe did some macro things around the program that were a little bit different from Wisconsin what, what, what Wisconsin's used to. But you know, you guys have been to practice. I've been to practice. They're, it's going to blow people's minds this offense with, with how they how they set up formationally, their tempo, the fact that it's so pass oriented. I mean, that, that to me is, is much more dramatic than whatever happened in, in 2013 and 14. What timeline do you think is realistic, Adam, for the Wisconsin Badgers to compete for another Big Ten championship like the glory days of the last decade past? Well, you know, technically they can do it this year. I, I don't think that they can beat the team that they'll likely face in the Big Ten championship game because Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State are, are all so strong going into the year but they can absolutely get there because of what I just said and how unstable and how much transition the West division is in. I mean, even Illinois, which was on track, I thought to win the division in the middle of last year, you know, lost some really good players. Obviously the, the, the first round draft pick, um, uh, Devon Witherspoon and, and others are, are no longer there in Champaign, new quarterback. So uh, yeah, Wisconsin's got the opportunity to get to the big 10 championship game this year, but why do you hire Luke Fickle? You hire Luke Fickle to get into the playoff, and I think you know that's more in the two, three, four-year uh, uh, range for for Luke as he you know reshapes the roster, reshapes some of the things uh, around the program, you know, tries to keep some of the good things in place. Um, that, that that's when I think we're really going to judge Wisconsin. I don't think Wisconsin's capable of winning the Big Ten this year. I do think they're capable of getting to the Big Ten championship game. Man, I'm fired up. September 2nd, Buffalo. Season camp comes soon enough after this conversation. Adam, thanks so much for making time for us this morning. Appreciate your insights on Northwestern, on Wisconsin, and all you do covering college football and specifically the Big Ten. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Adam Rittenberg, senior ESPN college football reporter, joining us this morning on Wildy and Tausch. Tausch, I'm fired up for Badger football. Man, what do you say? Look at what's going on in the West. They could win this thing right away right now. I love when he says something like that. That's exciting. It is exciting. And you know what? Badger fans should be excited, too, because American Family Insurance wants to give you and a friend 
a VIP experience at one of those Badger football games or basketball games during the 2023 season. You and a friend receive pregame sideline or courtside passes toward the facility. Tons of merch to support your Badgers. Enter today at AmFam.com slash Badgers. No purchase necessary. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. We'll catch up on some of your submissions for smells.